When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in to the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. As always, we're coming to you live from the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, and we've got a great show for you guys planned today. We will be joined by Matt Barr uh, to cover the NFC West to hit on our draft divisional grades there, uh, update you on the rosters, recap you on what they did in free agency, all that good stuff. Um, you can check him out. Appreciate Matt for joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast. You can check him out on Twitter at Matt Barr, that's M-A-T-T-B-A-R-R underscore, um, that is his Twitter name, he's got a great Twitter game over there, uh, so check him out, feel free to follow him, uh, again, we appreciate him for joining us, but before we get into that interview, you know what we got to do, like, rate, subscribe, and review, you like how we made that rhyme for you, ah. Um, anyways, five stars, all that good stuff. If you want to hit us up with some questions, uh, that's where you do it. Uh, leave it there with your review. We'll get to it uh, whenever it pops up. We'll hit it whenever we get to our next segment, whenever we have time to do some more fan questions. We appreciate you guys for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this interview with uh, Matt Bart to cover the NFC West, man. All righty, folks. As promised, we're going to continue our divisional draft grades here on the NFL Mox podcast. And today we are joined by none other than 49 die, excuse me, 49er diehard himself, Matt Barr, to take a look at where the NFC West sits as of today. Matt is the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast. That's the best 49ers pod there is. And he also writes for the Hub. That's the 49ers Hub, uh, that is. Not to mention he's a former Marine. So just in case you want to try him on Twitter, just know he's trained to kill. Matt, thanks for joining us here on the NFL Mox podcast, my brother. Absolutely, Brooks. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, anytime I get a chance to run my suck and talk about some football, yeah. I'm happy. I mean, same here, man. Running the suck is the number one, uh, you know, my favorite pastime, if you will, uh, here. And that's why we got this podcast set up, <laughs> so we can drop the takes here on the NFL mocks. Uh, but anyway, so we've been doing this uh, thing here, Matt. Uh, what we kind of do is give a rundown of where teams, uh, you know, kind of shook out last year, and then we break down the roster moves and draft picks of each team. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hit it. All right. Well, for the second reason, or excuse me, season in a row, the NFC West was won by the Wonder Boy Sean McVay and company out in L.A. at 13-3, and followed by the Seahawks at 10-6, and 
and fighting for the bottom where your 49ers, Matt, at 4-12 and and the Cardinals there at 3-13. and So let's kind of get our overall thoughts uh, from last year's season just in terms of this division, Matt. Uh, and we can kind of start with you if you want to kind of hit on your Niners first. Uh, and, and then just kind of give us the rundown, maybe some things that yeah. surprised so, you. Uh, the big thing you saw is, is McVay's offense still works, and, and Jared Goff took a big step in his second year in that offense. It's actually kind of fun to watch. I hate to say that as a 49ers fan, as a guy who covers the 49ers. I hate to say it's fun to watch, but it really is. And then you can move into the Seahawks. The Seahawks really overperformed in my eyes. I think everybody kind of had them pegged as a as a fringe playoff team, but really kind of this is their time to fall off. You know, Richard Sherman was gone. Cam Chancellor was on his way out. The Legion of Boom was just about dead. And I think people were ready to write them off. But Russell Wilson willed them into the playoffs. And then Pete Carroll decided that he didn't want to win a playoff game. So <laughs> that went well for them. Um, 49ers, obviously, you know, their season hinged on Jimmy Garoppolo. As soon yeah. as he went down in week three, they were, they were done. Um, you know, they, that's when I started doing mock drafts. That's when I started looking at draft prospects. Because as soon as he went down, Oof. I mean, it was just. That's tough. That's it early. was tough. It was tough to watch. I was actually on a road trip um, moving across the country, and I'm watching. We were driving from Austin, Texas to Little Rock, Arkansas, and I saw him go down. And then uh, as soon as the game was over, I had to drive. Uh, wife, wife handed me the, the reins, and I drove, and I had to drive all sad, just oh. just all the way back to Arkansas. And on and a you play, Arkansas, you find out the. And on a play, Matt, where it's just like, man, just run out of bounds, dude. I don't know why you're fighting for the extra yard or two, and then you blow a knee. And like you said, the season's pretty much wrapped there um, for the 49ers. I had pretty much the same exact notes right here uh, in my show notes, man. The, the injury to Jimmy G absolutely sucks right there for San Fran. I believe that's what, mm-hmm. week, week two? Y'all didn't even get really – or no, week three, right? You didn't even really get much of a yeah, taste. Uh, it was following the Minnesota game, and then you come home. Uh, and, and then he gets injured there. Um, but I'm right there with you. The absolute shock of this season uh, there in the NFC West had to be the Seahawks, man. If you would have told me coming into the season they were, uh, you know, Janikowski pulled Hammy away uh, from, a, from a playoff victory there in Dallas, I honestly think, I mean, you got to expect almost an injury there with Janikowski. So it's kind of Pete Carroll's fault there for having that old of a kicker on the roster, but again, if he doesn't pull that <laughs> hamstring there, I think you know they end up having to go for two late in the game because they legitimately don't have a place kicker on the roster, and the punter wasn't very uh, you know decent at it at all. Which I still haven't figured out, Matt. It's 2019. Why can't we figure out to just merge that position? Why can't a guy punt and place kick? Or maybe that's just me, um, you know, being a center, being a former position player in football. I never really valued uh, a kicker, but I think that's just notorious uh, in the football world. But anyways. It's a shock there for the Seattle Seahawks to end up 10-6. and six. Um, And then on top of that, you add Earl Thomas going down in week four there in Arizona, and they still manage, mm-hmm. um, you know, at that point, all of the Legion of Boom's gone. It's basically Bobby Wagner and a bunch of, you know, misfits there in Seattle. But, again, they managed to make it work. They finished 10-6. and six. So we're right there on the same page there. I think San Francisco had a chance to maybe push – for eight and eight, nine and seven last year, because the roster was still pretty yep. loose, even with Jimmy uh, GQ as a healthy quarterback there, I think they still would have been foot or fighting for a wild card spot. But nonetheless, uh, those are the kind of outlooks from last season. But here on the NFL Mocks podcast, uh, Matt, we like to pay our respects to the division champs. Uh, so with that being said, let's kind of get into this Rams offseason and, you know, obviously spent the offseason licking their wounds from that 13-3 to uh, Super Bowl loss. But they didn't have much time to sulk uh, because, as we expected, 
the Rams in particular here, uh, free agency pretty much ravaged their roster. So you lose Roger Saffold, their only decent guard on the roster. You end up cutting John Sullivan, who's just a little too old uh, to come back and play center. LaMarcus Joyner gets $42 million from Oakland. Mark Barron's gone to Pittsburgh. C.J. Anderson out. We don't know what's going to happen with Sue and Easley. Then you sign Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, two big names we got there. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts of what happened here to the L.A. Rams uh, this offseason? And as I mentioned, it was kind of foreseen. We kind of saw this coming. Uh, what do you think of the moves or lack thereof that they made here this offseason, Matt? Yeah, you know, they tied themselves up with a lot of big contracts. They just paid Aaron Donald. They just paid Ty Gurley. They just paid Brandon Cooks. And they still have to pay Jared Goff coming up. Yeah. So you really need to look at that as why they aren't going to be super active in free agency. And the one person they did retain, which I really like, uh, is Corey Littleton, linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I think he's kind of an unheralded guy. He's like the number three guy in yeah, TFF. Former, former special teams linebacker. guy there. Still a special teams ace, actually. I believe yeah. he blocked a punt against the 49ers um, when they played San Francisco or in Santa Clara. Um, he's, he's a really good player, and I really like what he brings to the table. And I'm a big fan of his. I think that was the smartest move to retain him. Bringing in Eric Weddle was also smart. You know, these, these Super Bowl windows close so fast. You really need to bring in guys that have playoff experience and bring a, a certain amount of grit and, and, and attitude to it. And I like bringing in Weddle, and I like bringing in Clay Matthews. Um, I didn't really understand re-signing Dante Fowler. I know I think they gave him another one-year prove-it deal. But he only had two sacks for them down the stretch last year after they traded for him at the trade deadline. It's Like you said, it's expected. You know, you see these Super Bowl teams, and they don't have a ton of money to work with. So they kind of got to go the aging veteran or the unproven young guy route the whole way. Yeah, and I hate to be negative. Like, the Eric Weddle deal is extremely team-friendly, right? It's not, a, you know, a heavy, a heavy salary right there for him. But, man, Eric Weddle hasn't been an all-pro caliber safety uh, you know, first team all pro at least since 2014. I know he's made uh, a handful of Pro Bowls since there, but to me, man, I think that's 90% of the beard talking right there uh, and a lot of fans voting based off of that. But again, solid pickup for the salary that they're going to end up paying him, but I don't think he solves everything in terms of the issues on that defense. Um, you know, he's going to help out a little bit in the run game, not necessarily the best pass defender back there. Uh, you know, I think he only had one interception in his time there in Baltimore. So he's not really a ball hawking safety there, but he is going to help you out in the run game. And that is an issue that they've had there. Um, not so hot on the Clay Matthews signing easy or either as you are, but again, not spending a ton of money because there wasn't a lot of money available. So, um, you know, maybe you get uh, eight to nine sack season out of Clay Matthews on third downs. I think if he gives you that, it's money well spent there. So we'll kind of see what happens there with them. But again, this team was inevitably going to get worse through free agency this year. And we knew that was coming because they were so tied up against the salary cap with, like you mentioned, signing Todd Gurley, giving uh, Aaron Donald his money and whatnot. So uh, kind of expected here. Um, what do you, let's, let's kind of give them a grade or do you like what they did this offseason? Let's not give them a grade. We'll save the grades for the drafts. Uh, do you like what they did this offseason, Matt? I think they did what they had to do. Yeah. And I think that's where we can leave it. You know, they, they were they painted themselves in a corner with the big contracts. And, and this is the same thing that happens to pretty much every team that, you know, go out, goes out and loses the Super Bowl. They're going to lose guys. Because these guys are going to get premium exposure in the playoffs. Teams mm-hmm. are going to see them. Fans are going to clamor for them. GMs are going to start drooling a little bit. And they're going to go out and overpay for these guys. I think LaMarcus Joyner is one of those guys that got vastly overpaid. All right. Shocker, let's... Oakland. They were paying somebody. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think they did what they had to do. And I, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think that the veterans they brought in to, to pair with Aaron Donald and the, the rest of the guys on defense and to pair with Wade Phillips is smart. 
All right, let's get into this draft and let's slap a grade on and be a little judgmental here for the Los Angeles Rams. So they get Taylor Rapp there in the second round, followed up with Daryl Henderson running back out of Memphis, uh, come back with David Long, cornerback out of Michigan, Bobby Evans, a tackle out of Oklahoma, Greg Gaines, uh, a fire plug of a defensive tackle out of Washington, David Edwards, another tackle uh, out of Wisconsin, and then follow up in the seventh round with Nick Scott, a safety out of Penn State, former running back there, uh, and then Dakota Allen, a linebacker out of Texas Tech, uh, two-time captain at Texas Tech after uh, being dismissed from the football program for a burglary charge um, that was ultimately dismissed. So he comes back after that, after being arrested and kicked off the team as a two-time captain there in Utah. So let's kind of give him some draft grades here. Matt, I'll start with you, and then I'll give you kind of my opinion on what the Rams did here in this draft. Yeah, sounds good, man. Uh, so I don't value running back, and I'll be the first one to say I don't think that you need to spend a third-round pick on a running back at depth. I don't think you need to spend a first-round pick on a running back. So I think that was kind of a little bit of an overreach. I like Taylor Rapp at 61. I really do. I think he's a good, hard-hitting safety. He makes a lot of plays. And you were talking about maybe they lost Mark Barron. Mm-hmm. Maybe Taylor Rapp comes in and plays that little hybrid role, safety linebacker kind of thing. He hits real hard. He hits smart. And he can, he can create some turnovers. So I really like the Taylor Rapp play. After that, I mean, nothing really stands out to me. Yeah. You know, the draft is they did what they had to do. They put depth where they needed to. My favorite pick out of everybody is Dakota Allen. I do watch Netflix, uh, Last Chance You. And he was the darling of season two, and he was a lot of fun to watch. And he just seemed like he kind of had his head on straight. It was just kind of a one-off thing that caused him to to be arrested. So I do like Dakota Allen. I like him getting a shot in the league. I like seeing last chance you guys uh, sign on rosters. But it seems like very, I don't know, uninspiring draft to me outside of Taylor Rapp. Yeah, so slap a grade on him. Let's get it, Matt. What's your grade for him? Oh, I'm going to give a B minus. That's exactly the grade I gave him, man. Why are you stealing grades? I guess I got to go first next time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just, they, they didn't do anything crazy, but they didn't, they didn't do anything bad either. They traded down, they got some more draft capital. And like we were saying, this is a team built on veterans. They really needed to get some depth pieces and get a lot of young guys in here, start infusing young talent. So I, I, they did what they had to do. I think that's the story of the Rams offseason. Yeah, so I gave, him, I gave him a B-minus as well, Matt, and, and here's why. I, I like the Bobby Evans pick there in the third round. I think he's a really good uh, swing tackle. He'll be able to uh, potentially start there in L.A. Uh, one day soon. And I, I, I'm not high on Wisconsin offensive linemen. I think the only one we've ever seen is, um, and I'm, I can't believe I'm drawing a name on here, Thomas, uh, played for Cleveland. What's his name, first name? Give me his first name. Come on. Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, right? The only good Wisconsin lineman we've seen in the last – you know, a handful of decades there, they seem a little beat up. But David Edwards, to me, again, another swing tackle here, a guy that can play both right and left. And I'm with you. I'm not huge on value in running backs, especially Daryl Henderson. I've been out on that guy since day one I turned on the tape. Um, plus, that pick really worries me about Todd Gurley. What the hell's going on with that knee? If you've got arthritis mm-hmm. in your knee at, what, 26 years old, uh, I think we've got major issues there. And, again, that's their second available pick in this draft, and they not I wouldn't want to say wasted. Um, but anyways, uh, that's that. And then Nick Scott and Dakota Allen, Nick Scott, that guy, uh, we talked about earlier, safety out of Penn state. This is a guy that came into Penn state as a starting running back, uh, out of high school, spent two years there playing running back. And then in 2017, they flipped him over to safety. So limited experience there, but the on-field production was kind of matched for a guy who hadn't played a lot of safety and the body type and the measurables are there. So we call these daddy hacks on the NFL mocks podcast, Matt, uh, it's where you (laughs) unbutton that top button in your, uh, 
in your jersey right there in the box, and you swing for the fences here in the seventh round. And I think they did both of uh, they did that with both picks there in the seventh round with Nick Scott and Dakota Allen. We talked about Dakota Allen, that uh, guy from Last Chance U. And again, those charges were dismissed for the burglary and armed uh, robbery charges. I think they were there at Texas Tech. He's in, uh, inevitably released or uh, you know dismissed from the program. Spends a year there at Last Chance U, and then next thing you know, he's a two-time captain there in. Uh, in Texas Tech when he gets back. So I, I like the daddy hacks there late, but again, I, I'm not so happy with what they did in their first three picks in this draft. So we'll stick it with a B- and move on. I think that's fair. Uh, let's talk about these Seattle Seahawks, man. They finally had an offseason to me where it looked like their roster was going to stay intact for the most part until they traded Frank Clark to make room uh, to ultimately pay, and I mean pay, Russell Wilson. So let's kind of start yeah. here with your thoughts on that Frank Clark trade, uh, you know, they get the 29th pick and a, and a 2020 future second. Uh, what do you think here about that Frank Clark trade, Matt? I think that they win that trade. I think the Seahawks win that trade. Um, now, it obviously depends on what they do with those picks that they got. Mm-hmm. And they traded out their first rounder this year to, to get even more draft capital. Because Seattle came in, I think they only had four picks. Yeah, we were going to hit on and that. They had they, four picks and then, you know, obviously get the fifth there with Frank Clark entering draft night. And they leave with 11 guys, new guys on their roster. So, incredible moves by John Snyder. Yeah, that's exactly what they need to do. Um, I think Frank Clark is a very good player. Mm-hmm. I think that I would take it first and a future second for him in a heartbeat. Yeah, so my- I think if that's, that, that's the offer on the table. And, you know, he was franchised this year as well. Mm-hmm. So, he was going to play out this year and he was going to have to be paid. And that's like you said, you just paid Russell Wilson gobs of money. Mm-hmm. So, I understand trading him. And I actually think that as long as Seattle uses those picks wisely, they're going to win that trade. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and Frank Clark's asking for five years, $105 million, the contract he inevitably got uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm just going to tell you, man, that's, not, that's way too much money. That price range is way too high to me for a defensive end that's never had more than 12 and a half career, or, you know, sacks in a season. I, I mean, I'm here for all the Frank Clark love. I know he's, let's call him a top 12 defensive end in the league. I'm not one of those guys out here calling Frank Clark a top five defensive end because I just don't think those grow on trees. You know what I mean? So I could rattle off a handful of names that I would, you know, take way ahead of Frank Clark. And that's not even to get into the off-field concerns that I'm not necessarily concerned with because I know he's kept his nose clean since coming out of Michigan. But nonetheless, you still got to answer those questions when you sign that guy or trade for him. So, you know, you lose Frank Clark. You lose Earl Thomas to Baltimore, obviously. Justin Coleman is now in Detroit, a cornerback they lost there. But they managed to keep K.J. Wright, who I think is pivotal in in this defense, Matt. Uh, He kind of picks up the scraps, uh, the limited scraps that Bobby Wagner leaves. So thoughts on the Seattle Seahawks offseason? Um, again, I don't think they did anything crazy. The one thing I'm going to ding them on this on the draft too is they need to address the damn offensive line. Yeah, because I, I know Russell Wilson is so good on, when he's on the move and outside the pocket and creating his own plays, but really, I mean, he gets hit so often. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he just got his money. You just paid him all this money. You need to protect him. Yeah, so I really thought right. they should have gone out and yeah, exactly. I think they should have gone out and gotten somebody to protect him. I do like them holding on to KJ Wright. That is one of the players that I was going to want the 49ers to aggressively pursue if he ended up in free agency. 
but uh, he didn't. So you know, I, I like what Seattle did. Yeah, let's uh, let's move into the draft and give these guys a grade as well. Again, we already mentioned it. They entered draft night with five picks. Uh, they leave with 11 guys selected. So just off that alone, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Matt, I'm going to be bumping their grade up, so just a heads up. So um, there's far too many picks, obviously, to just run through them like we just did uh, with uh, the Los Angeles Rams. But let's take a look at their first seven picks that they had all in the first 132 spots here. So a lot of uh, you know potential starters here or guys that could at least fight for some starting playing time here in these first seven picks, all in the first four rounds. Let's take a look at it. Their first-round pick, LJ Collier, defensive end out of TCU. Uh, we'll kind of see uh, round two, they come back with Marquise Blair, a safety out of Utah. Just a side note here, Matt, there's a shit ton of Utah Utes drafted this year, and I was just kind of taken back by it. Um, not a lot of Utah Utes football that I've watched in the last couple of years, but nonetheless. Round two, at the end of that, pick 64, <laughs> they pick up DK Metcalf. Round three, how about here, Cody Barton, linebacker out of Utah. See what I mean? And then round four, yep. Gary Jennings there out of uh, West Virginia. I love the kid. And then Phil Haynes, guard out of Wake Forest. And then kind of a questionable pick here in my opinion, but we'll get into it. Uh, Hugo Amadi, a cornerback out of Oregon, uh, undersized corner that ran slow at the combine. Um, I'll start. I'll give you an A- minus here, Seattle. And, again, I've heavily uh, weighed the fact that they came in with five picks left with 11. I think that's Awesome uh, moving down by John Snyder. Everybody in their mama wants to trade down and take more swings in the draft on draft night. And for them to be able to amass such capital capital in this year's draft, um, to me, is rather impressive. Look, I'm not crazy about the LJ Collier pick, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I know more about defensive line play than the Seattle Seahawks. Because it seems like they hit on a, on a defensive lineman every year in the draft. Um, again, the Amadi pick is pretty baffling to me. This is a, a team that traditionally values tall, long corners that may not be as extremely fast, or if you're not tall and long, you better be able to blaze. He's neither of which. Again, I love the Gary Jennings pick. Um, I wrote a long time ago this guy was going to be a sleeper in this year's draft, um, but I'll kind of let you take it away, and I left the meat on the bone there with DK Metcalf, so feel free to hit on that one, my brother. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the biggest reach, and that's LJ Collier. And there's something yeah. that Seattle likes to do, and they like to do this thing with Pete Carroll on Twitter, and they like to send out some sort of, like, mystery kind of riddle thing to see if people can figure out who their first-round pick is. And all I have to say is if you can, without a doubt, put out a tweet or, or a riddle or something saying this is the guy you're going to take in the first round, that's a reach. Because yeah. if there's not a possibility that some other team is going to take that guy and you're so confident that he's going to be there when you're picking, that's a reach. So I don't like the LJ Collier pick. I, like I said, he, they know more about the defensive linemen than we do. They do hit on him a lot. I just, I don't know. There was other guys on the board that I would have taken. Now, my favorite pick, obviously, is DK Metcalf. Because DK Metcalf is built to play with Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson throws probably the best deep ball oh, in all of football. You haven't been listening and to they, the NFL Mox podcast, Matt. We've been talking about this for the last two months, about how we just – the dream scenario for DK was to land in Seattle. Um, I thought there was a possibility he could be there at 21, honestly, uh, when they were originally sitting mm -hmm. there in that position in the draft. And here he is falling at 64, and I'm with you. Nobody throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson, and no one's going to run it down faster than DK Metcalf. But please, continue. Yeah, and, you know, they love to run the ball. So, so Seattle was actually only one of only two teams, Buffalo being the other, that ran the ball more than they passed it on first down. That's an actual stat. There's only two teams that ran the ball more than they passed it on first down in the entire NFL last year. Seattle was one of them. There's going to be plays where there's going to be safeties that get lulled to sleep. They get guys that are creeping up in the box. They get guys that are just ready to stop the run. 
All of a sudden, you run a play action. DK Metcalf torches the corner, and he's standing all by himself, 40 yards downfield. I mean, guy blazes. He ran 4-3-3 at the combine. He's massive. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. Seattle's the perfect spot for him. I'm terrified that we have to play this guy twice a year. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Watching a lot of Seattle Seahawks football over the past, you know, handful of years because I just love watching Russell Wilson on Sundays. Um, you know, not a, a ton of double moves here. They don't run a lot of uh, the route tree that requires you to be tight in and out of breaks. It is a lot of play action. It is a lot of, you know, see what happens when the play breaks down with Russell Wilson. That's what the scheme is. It's a lot of deep routes, a lot of post routes, whatnot, all things that DK Metcalf does extremely well. Look, I've been well-documented here on this show, uh, just like everybody else that saw that uh, short cone or that three-cone shuttle and that 20-yard shuttle. Look, the guy cannot get in and out of breaks. I think it's pretty obvious. But, again, he's not going to be asked to in Seattle, and I think that's why it makes this a perfect fit. And that's part of the reason why my grade is so high here, along with them trading down and getting as much capital as they did. Uh, Let's get your grade on it, Matt, and then we'll move on to your 49ers, baby. Get juiced. I am going to hit them with a B plus, And the only thing is, like I said, they have to start addressing the offensive line earlier than they are. Round four is not the first time they, they should have addressed it. But, again, they did trade back. They did hit a home run with DK Metcalf. I just got to ding him for LJ Collier, and I got to ding him for not hitting the offensive line. So I'm giving him a B plus. The good news is, Matt, well, not for you because you're a Niners fan, but the good news for Seattle Seahawks fans listening, I'm extremely high on Phil Haynes. Like, I wasn't like round two high on Phil Haynes, but I think Phil Haynes is a big, thick, starting guard in the league and you know what if he plays seven or eight years in the league that's a damn good fourth round pick so I think he has a chance to definitely do that but again I teased it let's get into your Niners man the offseason talks have to begin with your guy Quan Alexander and the addition of D Ford as well so Matt the floor is yours your thoughts on the new additions to the 49ers defense so the 49ers defense will be completely revamped and I absolutely love this so D Ford Absolute speed rusher, guy coming off the edge. Led the league in, in sack fumbles last year. I think it was a seven, which is awesome because the 49ers did not take the ball away at all last year. League low, two interceptions. I think they only forced, I think they only had seven fumble recoveries. They're like nine totals, the lowest in the lowest in NFL history since since the merger. I mean, just historically bad at taking the ball away. Mm-hmm. So a D Ford automatically makes that a lot better. Quan Alexander, also a guy. Now, the, the Niners like to get guys coming off of injuries, mm-hmm. and they like to overpay for their guys. And Quan Alexander is just – he fits both those bills. They overpaid him, and he's coming off an injury. But I do like Quan Alexander. I like pairing him up next to Fred Warner. I think that if he comes back fully healthy, and I know it's a big if, and we play that if game every year with this team. If, if he comes back healthy, I think they can make one of the better linebacker duos in the league. And I think they're both capable of covering tight ends, covering – running backs, whoever's coming out of the backfield. I like what they bring to the table. I'm excited to see them play together. And actually the one pick, I, the one free agent I really like, Jason Verrett, another yeah. guy, big F, injury yeah. guy. He was a first-round pick for a reason, and when he plays, he is so damn good. Mm-hmm. The issue is he's just always hurt. Yeah. So a lot of these players that are hurt were coming to San Francisco because they completely revamped their, their training staff and how they handle injuries and how they handle – hurt players and and players came in and saw that and were like, okay, you know, it's something I want to be a part of. I'm hoping that changes the culture because the last few years, I mean, you go back any number of years, San Francisco's in the top 10 in guys on IR every year. Mm. And it's so frustrating because it's all what could have been with so many players that are just done for the year all the time. 
So I, I like what they did with the defense. It didn't do a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball. I, I love the bringing in a Tevin Coleman. That's, that's team friendly as hell right there. That, yeah, that, that two contract's years, eight and a half million dollars. Yeah. He's being paid less than the kicker right now because the kicker's getting $5 million, and he still hasn't signed his tender, but we're not talking about him today. And uh, I, Coleman comes in with experience in Shanahan's system. His best mm-hmm. year came under Shanahan in Atlanta. I love it. You know, the three-headed monster now, McKinnon, Bradham, Coleman. Again, if one of those guys gets hurt, shut him down for a week. Let him get healthy. You got two other guys that can step up and play at a high level. I really like that signing. Other than that, you know, none of the free agency signings really stand out to me. What what did you think of uh, the free agency signings for the Niners this year? Yeah, so I think we had, you know, a little interaction there on Twitter. I'm I'm not the biggest Quan Alexander fan, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard this stat, man. Since 2011. Only nine players in the NFL have had more than 50 missed tackles. Quan Alexander leads that statistical category with 78 in that time period. Just for a little reference, Mm -hmm. that's 11 missed tackles a season. For comparison, last season, Bobby Wagner missed one tackle in 16 starts. So I know Bobby Wagner's hands down, at least in my opinion, the best inside linebacker in all of football. And again, Quan Alexander, the missed tackles, are an issue and a concern, but when he's healthy, he's still in the top 15 uh, in the league in total tackles. So the opportunities are always in abundance there for Quan. So it kind of tells you uh, just kind of his side to sideline to sideline capabilities there uh, in San Francisco. But again, man, if you're going to keep signing guys that are coming off of you know season-ending injuries like he had with a knee injury there. You better get them for good value, not, you know, respectfully overpay for them as they did with Quan yep. Alexander and such. Like, I mean, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to continue to take shots, uh, take, you know, big, deep shots on guys that are coming off of injuries, again, you better get them for good value. And I think that's something they constantly and consistently fail to do there in San Francisco. And I'm sure uh, you feel, you know, somewhat similar there. Now, as far as D Ford, I think he traded in for decent value there. Um, you know, and you've got a prove it to me deal there with him as well. You can get out of that contract there in San Francisco just after a year. And I think they're giving him, what, 14 and a half mil, I think is what I saw there for D Ford. So, again, mm-hmm. Led the league in sack fumbles, like you mentioned, there was seven. Um, I'm okay with that one. I I do like Jimmy Ward, uh, you know, a little older there, but a decent DB there for them. So I'm okay with everything. And then you signed David Mayo there just in case, I guess, uh, Quan Alexander gets injured or whatnot. Maybe he can step in and play some, uh, you know, limited snaps there in the linebacking core. So I'm, you know, overall – I'm okay with what they did this offseason. Um, I'd be ecstatic if I were a 49ers fan if we would have just got Quan for, let's say, 20% of the contract value that they inevitably paid him. Um, but, again, you know, you can't, can't be perfect on everything. Let's hit on this draft. Um, the 49ers, man, if it weren't for the Arizona Cardinals, I truly believe John Lynch would have found a way to mess this up. But, luckily, Kyler Murray <laughs> goes off the board there at one and you're just saddled. You absolutely have to take Nick Bosa. And, again, I think this is best-case scenario for your 49er faithful. We'll start there. What are your thoughts on that decision there to take Nick Bosa? And was his, you know, hand, was his head held to the fire, if you will? Was he forced to take this pick? I, I, I think he was forced in the way that they had Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams as the top two guys on their board. Mm-hmm. And I think what you got to do is you got to take one look at it and you go, well, we got to force Buckner on the inside. Mm-hmm. What – Look at it, my, my buddy, my buddy uh, that works for me over 49ers Hub does this thing, he calls Deltas. And he goes, what's the difference between Nick Bosa and the next edge guy? And then what's the difference between Quinn and Williams and the next interior guy? And the difference between Nick Bosa and the next edge guy was so much greater than Quinn and Williams over Eric Armstead or Solomon Thomas or whoever else. Yeah. So 
their their hands were tied in the way that you have to take the need player. But it's it's not a, a huge reach. It's, this guy has been pegged as the number one player in college football for, for an entire year now. Yeah. We've all been talking about how Nick Bosa is going to go number one overall. If you asked anybody in week eight of the football season who goes number one overall, everybody's answer would have been Nick Bosa. So I, yes, they had to take the pick. Yes, they were locked into it, but I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a dream scenario. Him not going number one overall and, and you know, Kyler Murray will get into going number one. Nick Bosa falls into your laps. They're, they're static. I'm a static. The fans should be a static. All right, and then you come back in the second round there with Debo Samuel. You needed offensive weapons, and you take two of them back-to-back. Jalen Hurd there in the third round. And then things kind of get a little squirrely here. Mitch Wisnowski, the punter, uh, drafted there in round four. Drake Greenlaw, linebacker there in round five. In round six, you had three picks. You get tight end Caden Smith out of UCLA. Justin Skewell, who I'm not going to act and pretend I know much about Mr. Skewell. And then Tim Harris, the cornerback there in round six. Uh, your thoughts overall on this draft. We'll let you go first, and then I'll be a little negative for you. Okay, don't worry. I'm going to be a little bit negative, too. So, I love Debo, and I feel like the draft didn't really start until the third round for the 49ers. I felt like Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel were so such foregone conclusions that everybody yeah. just kind of knew that's what was going to happen. After Debo Samuel showing at the senior bowl and Kyle Shanahan just gushing over him, everybody kind of knew that was the play. Jalen Hurd was a reach. Now, he was a reach in the third round. I do like Jalen Hurd. I do, and I think if there's any one coach that he could go to that's going to find a way to use him in an effective way, it was either Shanahan or McVay. You know, I think those are the two best offensive minds in football. I'm happy they got Jalen Hurd. I hope they leave him at wide receiver. They don't try and beef him up and turn him into a tight end. Just let him do what he's good at. Just get him the ball in space and let him do his thing. Now, the punter. Oh, man. I hate this pick. I hate this pick. I th- we were talking about the Deltas earlier. I think the delta between spending a fourth-round pick when a guy like Drew Samia, the guard, was still on the board, and the 49ers do need interior offensive line help. I think the delta between a, a punter drafted in the fourth round and a punter as an undrafted free agent is so minuscule and negligible that it doesn't matter. I hate the pick. I despise it. They spent a fifth-rounder on Bradley Pinion before. They let him walk, and then they turn around and spent a fourth-rounder on this guy. He's 27, too. Oof. Like, he's not – yeah. It's, it's a bad pick. It's a bad pick. But he's Australian, dude. Enough of the punter. Yeah, I know. Aussie, 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 oi, 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 all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun to scream in the stands. But people see what the, the Seahawks did with Michael Dixon last year, yeah. and they think that that's just easily, you know, can be replicated. And it's not necessarily the case. They think, ah, oh, the punter's a weapon. The punter's not a weapon. He's a punter. He's on the field for, at best, hopefully, four plays a game. No, so, I, you know, I'm right I there with don't you, Matt. Like, I don't like that pick at all. After that, you get into guys. I like, I like Dre Greenlaw from Arkansas. You know, he's got, yeah. he's a really good kid. He's got a really good story about how he, he saved a girl at a party and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Caden Smith, he's young Garrett Selleck to me. So he's going to step okay. in and take over as the second tight end role. Justin Skule, I said, you say it, Skule. Yeah, that's how we I say it. Sc- okay, because we were saying school on my podcast. We have no idea. I really got to reach out to this guy and figure out how to say it because I was just going to sit here and butcher his name. I feel like he S-K-O-O-L-E would connote a school. Uh, S-K-U-L-E would connote a school. that okay. makes sense. We'll roll with school. Yeah. Your podcast, we'll roll with it, man. You're damn right. Go <laughs> ahead. Um, he's <laughs> he's going to step in as the swing tackle. I like it. And then Tim Harris is, you know, he's the 6'2 corner. He's exactly the kind of guy you want in the Seattle, the, the Seattle run defense that they're, that they're uh, implementing. 
He's a guy has injury concerns. Again, he had two redshirt years at Virginia, but he does have some talent. I overall, I'm giving him a B. I would have been higher because I think they got home runs in Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel, but they drafted wow. F and punter in the fourth round. So I'm, I'm trying to be nicer on your podcast than I am on mine. Um, <laughs> the, the punter, the punter really drives the grade down for me. So I give the 49ers a B. All right, I got to tell you this. I was sitting in the barbershop getting my hair cut uh, when this punter notification came across my phone. Uh, you know, the San Francisco Niners, you know, I had the alerts from, I think I was, I can't remember which, dra- I think it was Draft Diamonds that I was had alerts on. Because, you know, when I'm not in front of the TV, I like to know every single pick. And those guys were on it. They were even ahead of the TV um, for most of the draft. And I see this come across, I see a Twitter notification come across my phone. San Francisco takes Mitch Wisnowski, punter, with uh, the eighth pick in the fourth round. And I literally, my, my, uh, my barbers, he, he's from Cameroon, his name's Sean. I showed it to him, and even he laughed. And he knew absolutely nothing about <laughs> NFL football. The guy started breaking out laughter uh, while he was cutting my hair. So, I, you know, it, it's easy to hate on the punter pick there in the fourth round. And you know what? Maybe he turns into a 12-year All-Pro. But, again, man, this is a guy, like you said, at best, he plays three to four snaps a game. At worst, he's on the field even more than you expected him to be, and that's a bad sign of your offense. Again, man, there's much more value to be had there at uh, pick eight in the fourth round. And for that reason, you know, I think they hit on three guys uh, with their first three picks. Like you, I believe in Jalen Hurd just in terms of the, fear, uh, the sheer measurables there. I think he does have an Evan Ingram type of ceiling there with the body type and the fact that that guy was playing uh you know tailback at Tennessee just kind of lets you know how good of a coach Butch Jones is in my opinion but nonetheless I like the first three picks and then after that it just falls off the face of the earth for me and for that reason I give them a C plus here uh I probably could have been a little more negative but since you're here on the podcast I would give them a C plus there is that fair Oh, it's absolutely fair. You're not going to hurt my feelings, man. Like I said, I just think it's home runs with the first two picks. That that alone can bring a draft grade up. Because, you know, you're, you're generally not hitting on guys fifth, sixth, seventh round, whatever it no. is. You, so, but if you're, hit, if you're hitting home runs with your first two, three picks, then you're golden. You're going you're, you're gonna to be a GM that sticks around for a long time. All right, last and most certainly least, let's hit on these Arizona Cardinals. Uh, starting with their offseason moves, man. They signed Terrell Suggs, and though I like it for the Cardinals because they need a voice in that, an old voice in that locker room, and Suggs is the perfect guy considering he's damn near as old as the coach, if not older. But I hate it for him in terms of just Suggs' career. Um, I, I, I find it hard to believe he couldn't have gotten something relatively close to two years, $10 million uh, there in Baltimore. I mean, if you're sacrificing, you know, a mil and a half, $2 million to go from Baltimore to Arizona, I'm not here to judge a man for making his personal decisions in his career, um, but I, I'm not so high on it for Suggs himself. What are your thoughts on that move, Matt? It's smart by the Cardinals. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't understand. And I just Googled it, by the way. Cliff Kingsbury is 39 and Terrell Suggs is 36. 36. Yeah. So, so he's damn near. Just it. Yeah, very close. They went um, to high school at the same time. Put it that way. Yes. Yeah, they were in high, yeah, they were definitely there together. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I like bringing him in. I agree with you. I don't understand why he left Baltimore. Baltimore must have told him straight up, like, you're not going to have a role in this defense next year. That's hard That's for me to believe, thing. though, because they, they, they lose both the Smiths there uh, in Baltimore. I just mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe he wouldn't have, you know, continued to have good playing time and good snap counts there uh, in Baltimore. But go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I'm saying that's just that's the only thing I can think of is the reason yeah. he would leave Baltimore. Because, I mean, this is the first time he's left Baltimore his entire career, right? He's played his entire mm-hmm. career in Baltimore up until now? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't understand wanting to go to Arizona, of all places. Um, Maybe he likes I mean, Phoenix. I think, he, I think he played at Arizona State, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you so, keep talking. I'll do a Google search. Go ahead. There you go. So, I think he played college ball in Arizona, so I guess he kind of wants to go home. I get that. But – it's smart because they do get another player across from Chandler Jones, and it does come with a lot of experience. I like that idea. Yeah. I like putting them together because they do need to get a good pass rush going. And I think they did that knowing they were going to take Kyler Murray number one. Yeah. And they knew that they were going to miss out on the edge rushers from the beginning of the, the beginning of the draft. It was so heavy on edge rushers. So I, I get it. Smart move by them. You know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. All right. So uh, it was Arizona State. So, yeah, you're right on there. Um, but uh, they really didn't add many impact players outside of Suggs this offseason, uh, despite spending the 10th most money in free agency across the NFL. Unless you really like a 30-year-old Robert Alford or Jordan Hicks, I'm a hard pass on both of them. Alford's just kind of above average, slightly above average to me uh, there in the defensive backfield. And Hicks is a solid linebacker when he's on the field, but he's only played more than 12 games once uh, in his four-year limited career there in Philadelphia. So that's probably part of the reason they didn't extend his fifth-year option there. So, um, you know, not a lot of additions. And they lose a handful of guys, right? They lose Antoine Bethea, Marcus Golden, Deion Buchanan. All three of those guys were starters on their defense last year. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you lose Mike Iopati there at guard and you know he's halfway decent when he's healthy so not a lot to write home about losing there you know you're not really crying or shedding any tears in Arizona for losing anybody on your offensive line from last year no offense to Justin no. Pugh um, but nonetheless your thoughts on the offseason moves here pretty boring if you ask me yeah it sounds like a team who's drafting first overall yeah I mean it's just kind of how that franchise seems like it's running and they also Trey Boston's still a free agent right now too and Trey Boston's a starting free safety last year that's another player that's still sitting out there that they haven't necessarily lost yet because he hasn't signed anywhere, but he hasn't re-signed either. All right, let's um, go ahead. Yeah, very boring, very, very vanilla, very – they got a new coach and they didn't want to make any too many splash moves. All right, I think they did a tremendous job here in the draft, though, and let's just rattle off some of these names. And these are all names that the Twitter sphere absolutely loves. And uh, maybe that's a mm-hmm. good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but let's run through them. Kyler Murray there with the first pick. They followed up with Byron Murphy uh, out of Washington. And then Andy Isabella, Zach Allen, defensive end out of Boston College. Hakeem Butler, the big monster uh, out of Iowa State. Twitter's number one love. Uh, and then Deontay Thompson, safety. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, not the original Keyshawn Johnson, but it is his son. Lamont Gallard, center out of Georgia. I love that pick right there. And then Joshua Miles, Michael Dogby, I guess is how you would pronounce that, defensive end. And then Caleb Wilson, uh, their last pick there in round seven. So they had two sixth-round picks and three seventh-round picks um, there at the back end of the draft. Uh, I'll start here with my grade. I'm going to give them just a flat-out A. Let's call it a 94. I've been extremely vocal here on the NFL Mocks podcast about my disdain for the idea of giving up on a quarterback you moved up for in last year's draft. Not, and then you add on top of that firing Steve Wilkes after just a year. Look, I know defensive-minded uh, head coaches are no longer the trend in the NFL. In fact, it's the complete opposite. You're almost frowned upon if you have one. But, again, I'm not uh, prone on, on giving up on guys that you've heavily invested in just after 16 games, especially in the dumpster fire of a roster that both of those guys were dealing with. That being said, I think they got a boatload of talented guys 
here in this draft pick um, or in this draft. And if you just take Kyler Murray off the board, I still think uh, they still had one of the best drafts uh, in the NFL. I mean, names like Byron Murphy, Andy Isabella, Zach Allen, the defensive man out of Boston College, look, he's not going to light up the stat sheets and sacks, but he doesn't do anything poorly. Uh, and then Hakeem Butler, I love as well. And again, we've already talked about Lamont Gallard, or at least I have. I love that dude out of Georgia. Four-year starter there at the center position in the SEC. And you want to see a dude actually handle Quentin Williams? Turn on the UGA Alabama tape anytime those guys played Lamont more than held his own. So that's my opinion there of that draft. Uh, Matt, go ahead and rip off yours, bud. Yeah, you know, I'm sticking with an A. I, I like it. I like what they did. And the only thing that keeps it from being an A+, plus, and again, it's, it's not addressing the offensive line early. Mm-hmm. I, too, like Gaillard. But, you know, they took skill position players with the yeah. first six picks. And you got to make an impact in the trenches, man. And, and Arizona's offensive line, part of the reason Rosen was not successful at all is he's a statue. Yeah. He's playing behind an offensive line that's giving him no time to throw. When he had time to throw and he was able to maybe escape the pocket just a little bit, he can he can, he can sling the rock. Yeah. He can throw the ball. So I, I think Miami was smart to trade up to get to trade for him. I think that's a good move for them. In fact, they have a significantly better offensive line, and they're playing significantly less talented defensive lines. Well, maybe not so much now after this year's draft in the AFC East. But other than that, they gave Kyler Murray weapons. I mean, Andy yeah. Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. You're talking about guys like Andy Isabella is the fastest guy in the draft, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And he can stretch the field. Hakeem Butler, big guy, can go up and win 50-50 balls. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. They still have Christian Kirk. So there's actually, like, some of these guys can be brought along slowly. And if they're not playing big numbers now, you know, when Larry Fitzgerald eventually hangs him up, because at some point he does have to retire. Yeah. You know, whenever he decides to call it quits, you can just slide like Hakeem Butler into his spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also love the Byron Murphy pick. Yeah. Byron Murphy from Washington. So there's, there's certain schools that I just love for certain positions. I love Kansas State offensive linemen. And I love University of Washington defensive backs. There's just some schools that just do it for me. And that's one of them. I thought Byron Murphy is my number one corner in this year's draft. I think it's incredibly smart to pair him with Buda Baker, with Patrick Peterson. With, you know, whoever they roll out in safety, if it's Deontay Thompson or not, I don't know. He has the degenerative knee injury. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing that, uh, uh, who was is it? Is it the same thing Gurley's dealing with? He's got the arthritis or whatever. But, oh, yeah. So that's why he slid so far in the draft. But he's a thumper, and he can hit. And in worst-case scenario, he's going to come in and be a, a, a dude that smokes guys on, on special teams. So I give him an A. Thank you. The only thing that stops him from an A-plus is not addressing the offensive line earlier. Yeah, so I'll drop them three points from the 100 uh, there for, you know, only getting basically Andy Isabella in return for Josh Rosen. And then I'll drop them another three points again, as you mentioned, uh, for Lamont Gallard being their first offense lineman off the board there all the way down in round six. I think you could, like you mentioned, man, if you take another shot at a guy, uh, an offensive lineman, a little bit earlier, maybe this draft looks a little better. Matt, man, I really appreciate you for joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast. Before you go, let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter, how they can check out your work, read your stuff, my man. Yeah, absolutely, Brooks. Man, I really appreciate you having me on. Like I said, anytime I get to run my suck about football, it's a lot of fun. But you can find me on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore M-A-T-T-B-A-R-R underscore. I'm fighting Twitter to get rid of the underscore. It's a losing battle. I'm yelling in a cloud. But <laughs> um, you, can find my, you can find my work on uh, 49ers Hub. You can find my work on 49ers Web Zone. And then also the 4th and Gold podcast as well. 
So again, Brooks, thanks so much for having me on, man. This is a ton of fun. No doubt, man. I'll, I'll return the favor anytime you want. You got it, brother. We'll definitely have you on soon. All right, bro. We'll talk to you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.